0: To the WDW Review Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Malik, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Peter Ponacorvo and Laura Fitzpatrick. We appreciate you downloading for our show number two, and uh, Pete, Laura, you know what show number two means? Osborne Lights? No, we've doubled our output. Oh, oh wait, oh. even better. We've officially doubled our output. Yeah, I thought about that one for a while before I actually sprung upon you guys, but... <laughs> You're right it means Osborne lights that's the, that's the uh, the topic of our show for today. We figured Christmas season Christmas time. We know that we're uh, we're coming to an end with the Osborne lights this year. It's January 3rd it's last uh, last night in production. I believe it's January 3rd uh, so we figured we'd want to discuss it before well frankly we might lose a chance to discuss it so uh, what our goal is today is we want to talk about the Osborne show talk a little bit about the history. And I don't know if you guys are like me. I've seen it a couple times, but I really enjoyed it. It was I don't want to use the word lightly, but it was almost breathtaking in appearance. Would you guys agree? I mean, it it, it unbelievable.
1: Yeah. You go around town and of your wherever you live, and especially where I live and you're looking at Christmas lights and it's like nothing compares. Why bother?
2: <laughs> it's it's the Christmas equivalent to the local 4th uh, of July fireworks display. There
1: you go. Absolutely. That's an awesome comparison. Nice. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But to simply see it go away, even if it's just for a few years, you know, I I know things have to change, and I I know construction has to begin on Star Wars land and Pixar place, but to see something that that, that brings so many people to the park and brings so many people to Florida go away for a few years, it just seemed like something else can be done. So, You know, One of our other thoughts today was we're going to give a a few ideas of what we can do to actually save it and where we can put it and and, and what kind of reincarnation can we give it. So, uh, again, we appreciate you downloading, and uh, we hope you enjoy the show. Uh, Laura, you and I were doing some research on on some of the history of of the show. Did you want to start with uh, some of the basic history of The Osborne Show? Sure.
1: Um, Kind of want to start off with a funny story. Um, My family went down in 2013 for our family trip and we made it over to see the Osborne lights and we we're walking through them with everybody else. And, um, behind us was this gentleman and let's say his wife, I don't know. And the way he said what he said was hysterical. I had my mom rolling around laughing. He goes, yeah, these are Ozzy Osborne lights, you know, and everybody around him is laughing like, Oh, I didn't know these were Ozzy Osborne lights and started this whole thing. And of course, I'm quiet and didn't say anything, but um, I had to explain to my mom who these lights were, because she believed this guy and thought, oh, these are Ozzy Osbourne's lights. No, they are not.
2: (laughs) You're much Uh, more polite than me. I'd have been standing (laughs) behind the guy going,
1: Sharon!
2: Yeah.
0: That's what I was thinking, Pete, was I was thinking the word Sharon.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, these are... Um, his name was Jennings Osborne, and he was from Little Rock, Arkansas. And like any decent father, his daughter asked him to put up some lights, and of course, he went crazy, I guess you could say. And he put up, you know, thousands and thousands of lights, and over time, his neighbors got upset. And um, the story goes that they were asked to be taken down. So Disney got wind of this, and took them over to at the time MGM studios and they premiered on Residential Street on November 24th, 1995 and I didn't realize they were in place for that long. I didn't realize yeah. it was that long.
0: This is their 20th year.
1: Yeah. So um and of course there's more to the story. I read um uh, something on um, Jim Hill's website, he did a little article about the history of the lights and um he had said that the neighbors or the local officials required him to turn the lights off after 9 PM and that this little girl came or this little girl and her family came by and they were off. And it was a $10,000 fine. If he turned the lights on after 9 PM and he did it for this girl. And I guess he was quoted as saying is it was the best $10,000 he'd ever spent. So I thought that was a kind of a cool story.
0: (laughs) It is a cool story. So, Yeah. This Jennings Osborne is such an interesting character. When you read, uh, if you just Google the words, Osborne Family Spectacle Lights, uh, such an interesting character. He started off with supposedly a thousand Mm -hmm. lights, and within like seven years, he was up to uh, three million lights on the house. Uh, He had so many lights, and he was such a wealthy man that he purchased the properties next to him, and he adorned their properties with lights. And then the problem started uh, about the the congestion. You mentioned you actually know where the streets at, Laura. Is that right? Yeah, uh,
1: my best friend moved down to Little Rock, and the street that it's at it's a very it's a busy street. It's um the street that connects a lot of different areas of Little Rock. So okay, mm-hmm.
0: so the neighbors, I guess, were getting mad because it was causing massive congestion. And I guess the, 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 the major fear was if there was an emergency, and, and Pete, you could relate to this, what would the emergency vehicles do with this kind of congestion in streets that weren't designed for this kind of congestion? So,
2: Well, it, it's kind of just the city of Chicago just in a smaller area.
0: <laughs>
2: Nobody <laughs> gets true. out of our way either. He had a pretty good true. rapport with the police, fire, and sheriff departments and, and EMS in the area as well. So yeah. I mean, he, he was known. He did a uh, an annual barbecue for mm-hmm. the police, fire, EMS, uh, sheriff's departments of the Little Rock area. And when I say he did a barbecue, he had an entire cooking barn. It was three. It was I believe it was somewhere around three thousand square feet. Um, he had six rotisserie cookers inside the building. And these guys were getting a chicken apiece, a turkey leg a la Disney size apiece, you know, a barbecue pork sandwich that was approximately a pound and a half of pulled pork on it. and ridiculous amounts of food. and whatever the guys that were there didn't eat, they brought back to the station for one of the guys that couldn't make it or to, you know, the less fortunate in their communities that they served. So, I mean, he was really, he was a philanthropist in a lot of different ways, not just Christmas lights, but.
0: Awesome. So, I guess, you know, there was a legal battle, though. These 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 residents were unhappy. They took him to court. Uh, eventually, it all it escalated all the way up after going to the Arkansas Supreme Court. It went all the way up to the United States Supreme Court, uh, where ultimately it was shut down. And it was like the publicity that you're talking about with this philanthropist and, uh. And the Supreme Court cases that kind of caught the ear of Disney. A lot of actually cities wanted to bring it to their city, but uh, it was Disney who ultimately got to them. And and like you said, Laura brought it to the MGM Studios. Mm-hmm. And can you believe 20 years? You mentioned that. That's it's hard to believe that it's been 20 years already. So, but it was initially set up on residential street, and it. it you know, I, I probably should have researched that better, but that was the street that they set up for the Hollywood uh, the, the, the tour, right, with the tram? Is that correct, the houses right. and
1: whatnot? Right, yeah, yeah, with all the houses. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. So well, the tram would operate on regular business hours for the park, and then at nighttime the tram would stop and people would walk through the the subdivision. And at this time it was brought up to over 5 million lights. So he went from 1,086, or 96 there, to Kreps. A uh, three five million within a period of ten years ten or years. so. Ten years. Yeah. So, so as it is right now, the display as it stands is made up of over ten miles of rope lights and connected by thirty miles of extension cords in its current configuration. Uh, numbers that they throw on there like zip cords. Could you imagine how many zip cords they go through to keep this in place? you know, millions and millions of zip cords and whatnot. So, and the man hours to install it must be astronomical. They'd have to start. It'd be interesting to know when they start, but I would imagine they'd have to start in like August and September to get this thing prepared. Uh,
1: say, I I think I remember being there in July and seeing the lights on the buildings already. I mean, <laughs> but they weren't on, of course, but you could see, kind of like Cinderella's Castle. If you look up close, you can see the lights, hmm. you know, on the building, but...
0: I did read that in 2011, you know, they were using incandescent bulbs up to that point, and they had to swap out the incandescents for those LEDs now that, that, you know, are low energy usage and I guess a little more affordable, like that's an issue right now. But they they swapped out LEDs for all the rope light, Um, and then they wanted to go and update all the control boards. They wanted to update the choreography. They updated the canopy, you know, that major canopy that changes color when the the actual dancing part, uh, when they sync the music to it. Mm -hmm. So they updated the entire canopy as well too, and uh, in, in 2011. So uh, a major ordeal, and here in you know 2015 they're gonna go and pull it down. But uh, just an awesome display, and I could remember seeing my kids' faces the first time they see that. It, you you don't see that. We we don't see that even in Chicago with the Brookfield Zoo being so beautiful and Lincoln Park Zoo, it's nothing like that. Yeah. So you know I, I don't know how many times you guys have seen it or if you're trying trying to go well. You guys aren't going this year, but uh, it'll have to live on in YouTube for uh, <laughs> you know in perpetuity, if uh, unless we can think of a way to save it. So, what? Let's let, that'll be a nice segue into our next section. What would you like to do, and, and and how would you like to save it? What are your ideas, and what we can do to keep the Osborne family spectacle of dancing lights alive in Disney World? Well, Laura. Pete. <laughs> yeah,
2: Pete. <Pico. laughs> um I you know, I never got to see this in person. Okay. But I'm going to say, you know, throwbacks, we want they're going to want the money to come into the park somehow. Why not remake Lights of Winter over at Epcot? And it can literally stretch across from Mexico all the way over to, to Canada. And, you know, everybody's still going to go see the lights, just in a different park. Actually, it'll probably be even better received because it's, in the, in my opinion, a better park.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Would you have the lights themed then? Would you change some of the displays to kind of be reflective of... I think the you'd, actual... you'd
2: have to change the the displays theming-wise, maybe to, you know, the country that they're in.
0: So Mexico would be one... Reflective of the Mexican flag and whatnot? Okay, Yeah,
2: maybe maybe not the flag, but just, you know, maybe the way Christmas or the holidays are celebrated in that country.
0: Hmm, interesting. And you would have built-in things like food... Bathrooms, parking, so that wouldn't be an issue. Yeah.
1: I was going to say the only thing I wouldn't like about that is it might be too not just not well themed to the World Showcase. But if they were to change up some of the light displays for each country, I think that would be a great idea. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Yeah, because they already light up the tops of the buildings for illumination. So, you know, to incorporate that into. The Illuminations holiday tag would be something,
2: yeah, something I mean, cool too. Amazing, and their giant canopy. Like. You could do the giant canopy across like International Gateway.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. You wouldn't want to obscure anyone's view, mm-hmm. but you could. Uh, yeah, you could. You could do it right at the start. Yep. Cool, Laura. What's you? You have an you have an idea, Laura, on what we can do?
1: Oh yeah, the only thing I kind of thought about just for purpose of theming is to kind of keep it the same was maybe move it over to downtown Disney and do it in the marketplace or I should say New <laughs> Springs. Excuse me. I was saying where's Springs. downtown Disney. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be like MGM studios, you know, downtown <laughs> Disney. So.
2: It'll take me years to get that in my it. <laughs> and yeah.
1: by, by
2: the time you get it down, they'll be changing it again. So. Right. Yeah, no
1: right. Problem. So, um, but in the marketplace, you know, light up World of Disney, that store, and then Giardelli across. And mm-hmm. there's that bridge that, from the boat dock to, you know, the marketplace from Saratoga Springs over there that, you know, you can maybe do the canopy over there, over the lake and...
0: you got parking. Yeah,
1: there's yeah. parking. Well, I mean...
2: I would say, imagine you could actually drape the entire parking structure in different lights and make it look like a huge present. That could actually be really cool to that'd see. That'd be
1: cool. Yeah. And I mean, yeah it doesn't cost anything to get in Disney Springs. So in a way, you know, that could be an issue, but you know, it's a, it'd be a free thing for people to do. So, you know, kind of market on that of, you know, not everything has to cost money, which I'm sure Disney is holding their ears and saying, stop, don't say that. We need, you know, we need everybody's money. Right. So, but you know, for a while they did, you know, this is, a different holiday, but for a while they would do trick-or-treating at downtown or at Disney Springs um, in the past, and they took that away. And so, I mean, not that this replaces that, but it's another thing for tourists to go do on their their last day if they use their, all their tickets sure. or, you know.
0: And let's be honest, if you're in Disney Springs, you're going to spend money somewhere.
1: Exactly, yeah. You can get hot chocolate from Giordelli and, you know, get a sandwich a Merle Sandwich and walk around and look at the lights and, you know.
2: The, the problem I see with that, though, is when the construction's over and they want to bring it back into a park that people are going to have to pay to see the lights again. Yeah. How much backlash would they would they catch for, you know, well, this has been free for five years. Now, all of a sudden, you want me to pay $105 to come into your park to see it?
1: Yeah, that's a good point, too.
2: And I say 105 hoping it's only $105 in another <laughs> five
1: years. Yeah, that's right. a good point,
2: too.
0: Too. Not not a bad idea though, because you know I try to think of things logistically, and if you got parking and you got food and you got bathrooms and you have got nice wide pedestrian walkways, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a good mix and, and a good way station until you figure out a better plan would be you know a free attraction. Yeah, I hear you though about the about the uh, wanting to charge them at that point, but yeah, not a bad idea at all. Yeah, Pretty if good. we're
2: gonna put it someplace where we're not charging, we can always break it up and put it into you know the the value resorts don't get a whole lot of decoration for the holidays. Hmm. Maybe, that's, you know, no, no. they've they reaches out to the, the value resorts and we get a little something that the us regular people that can't afford to stay at the Polynesian and the contemporary, maybe we get a little something for the holidays.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, what I recommend to clients too is, Take one of your non-park days and go to the Grand Floridian and see the gingerbread house and then go see the, the decorations. The carousel, the yacht club, and, and beach club. club. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just a resort hop and, you know, the Wilderness Lodge has that beautiful tree in the lobby and, you know, that would be another place for guests to go see lunch yeah. and check out the resort. And that's, cool.
2: that's what my wife and I did a couple years ago. We are, uh, are not so uh, – she's not so scary <laughs> – our Very Merry Christmas party night, we didn't have park tickets except for the party tickets. Mm-hmm. So what we did is we spent the day resort hopping, looking at all the decorations, and then we went to the park for the party. instead of hmm. burning a park ticket and then burning the, the party ticket on top of it.
0: Yeah. And you can get in with, those, uh, with, with the Very the Merry Christmas. Party tickets up. a little early, yeah. Yeah, 4 o'clock or so. Mm-hmm. So, cool. I try to think about this, you know, and I probably spent too much time thinking about this. I try to think about this in a couple different ways. Like having a, a display which drives people. And, and, you know, it's important in Hollywood studios because at the time it's in Hollywood studios, it needs, at least in my opinion, it needs the most help. So I try to think of it as. You know, I wouldn't put it in Magic Kingdom. It doesn't need the help. You know, I I wanted to try and drive people to places that that weren't as busy or as popular as they should be or could be. So that's kind of like the approach I took at this. So, um, and I know people are going to look and say, are you kidding me? That's plenty busy. But the, you know, the first idea I had was to relocate them around Crescent Lake. And I thought it'd be a nice, natural fit because there's not a whole lot of attractions around there. There's restaurants and, and, and there's, there's shopping. But it's a lot of natural beauty and walkway. But as I thought about it more and more, I, I, I came up to the idea of where are people going to park? You know, there, it, there's, a hard, there's a hard thing. And, and, if you, and if you're staying at the beach club or yacht club, you might not be so happy having that natural beauty and that, and that, and that scenery that you're paying for be cluttered by thousands and thousands and thousands of people walking past your hotel. Um, but my first idea was to actually put it around Crescent Lake and it would be beautiful. I mean, that's, that would be a a gorgeous backdrop to having those lights displayed. Absolutely. So, but the parking issue, I think that might be a big problem. So, um, so let's think about this. What is the biggest, let's say this, what's, what is the property at Walt Disney World that needs the most help? What would be the biggest property that would need the most help at Walt Disney World? That was my that's my lead into my my second point. Well, Hollywood Studios, okay. Hollywood Studios, right? Until yeah, so you take the light display away with construction. So why don't they keep it there? Why don't they just relocate it to the Sunset Boulevard and Animation Courtyard areas? It would be it's not that large. I mean, it, it takes up only a couple blocks. Heck, that Sunset Boulevard from really where the Sorcerer's Hat used to be all the way to Tower of Terror. That's a pretty long strip of property. That'd be a nice spot for a canopy, and the can or if the canopy wanted to go right at the beginning, right at the entrance, past the crossroads, up to the Sorcerer's Hat, it'd be a nice spot to kind of keep it at the studios. And I think it's yeah fairly obvious that's the herding piece of property that needs people to be well, driven into that.
1: Property. You'll see on um, you know online in the the Disney online community is that you know people are not I wouldn't say complaining but have thoughts about. Well, shouldn't Disney lower ticket prices for all this expansion and all this stuff going away? And then they're still expected to pay the same amount, you know, as if they were going to Magic Kingdom. I mean, granted, yeah, the one-day Magic Kingdom ticket is more than the Hollywood Studios ticket. But if you buy a five-day park hopper, you know, you can go to the parks as much as you want to. But, I mean, at Hollywood Studios, I've always viewed personally as a half-day park. I mean, I usually spend two half days there, but I don't like spending one full day there.
0: Yeah, me not enough to do. Yeah. So, have you guys my third place that I'm going to talk about? Have you guys ever been to Celebration? I have not.
1: It's on my
0: list. Okay, (laughs) we went a couple years ago, and it's it's a fully functional town. You know, you probably know the history. It was designed by Disney Imagineers as you know you know a a a town the idea would be it would be a local town kind of contained amongst itself have its own hospital school system whatnot but it was a town how i guess walt disney would have thought town should be front porches to encourage people talking in, in, in neighborhoods where you can walk to the town center and whatnot um and then of course there was an you know there was a separation where disney no longer retains control over celebration but We've been there. It's beautiful. It, it, it's really nice. They have a really nice town center, and I thought that'd be a nice spot for it. And then I realized if I was a resident, I don't know how well I would <laughs> I would take that kind of traffic in my town. They do a little light display, but it would be nothing like this, and that would be a major, major traffic issue for the town of to Celebration. But um, if you've not ever been there, hmm, in your minds, it, it would be a combination of uh, a town like Naperville, and of course if you're listening to this podcast you have no idea what Naperville is, but take a cute little suburban town with a really nice, cute downtown area that's easily accessible. Uh, and then add Disney touches to it, and that would be what the town of celebration or what the town of you know would look like. So um, that idea then I, I squashed. So you can tell I'm thinking too much about this, yes. right? I've got too much time in my hands. So
1: No, I I mean that that would be nice, but you know, Disney doesn't have any ties there anymore, so I don't know if that would be... And then that drives people off Disney property, so... That's true. (laughs) You know, it's one thing to do Disney Springs, because at least they're still on Disney property and can buy, you know, stuff, but Celebration is a separate entity, so...
0: I've got one last one for you. Good. And this is the one that I'm thinking would be the one that I'd go with if I was in charge, because you could still make money on this. And you could take it out of a park and still make money on this. Have you ever been to a Christmas light display where you would pay at the front and you would drive your car through a light display? Yeah. No. <laughs>
1: yeah. The last one maybe I went to one in maybe Juliet yeah. area. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Mhm. I was at one in Branson recently, and the idea would be it's like a mile and a half or 2 mile stretch peak and you start your car, you turn your radio to AM 1180, whatever the case may be. And it is synced up to music, and you would just drive for two miles at a slow pace, at an idle speed of your car. And it would be one car after another after another for that duration. It was about 15, 20 minutes in length. And you would see a massive lighting display, and you'd pay at the beginning. And it occurred to me, you could essentially do the same thing with this Osborne display, but where would you put it? You know, there's, there's... Really no empty or vacant parking lot. And as I looked on the map, there's really no road that's not used in Disney property. There's no lesser-used road. There, there's a purpose for everything. But I'm a DVC member, and the most hurting property in DVC is Saratoga Springs Resort. Have you guys ever been to Saratoga? I have yeah.
1: not. Just been there. I haven't stayed there.
0: Okay. The main entrance from... Uh, it might even, uh, excuse me if the name's wrong, but Disney Vacation Club Way is the street I believe. There's a main entrance past the uh, the guard shed there, where it travels along the golf course. It is extensively long. It is almost to the point where it becomes inconvenient, and that's the knock on Saratoga, anyways. It's a very large resort, but would easily handle traffic flow, and you could have, uh, you know, a path explicitly designed for this, where cars would enter and cars would leave. You wouldn't have a need for cars to park, you wouldn't have a need for food, but you could still generate revenue off this at one of your own resorts and get exposure for a resort that is probably one of the lesser used, or I should say lesser liked Disney Vacation Club resorts, or even Disney resorts on property. Oh. What do you think about that?
1: Not yeah. a bad idea.
0: You probably have to see the length of property, and I know you're thinking, well, I don't know, You know, no one goes to Saratoga. And this part of my thought process was I could get people to go to Saratoga mm-hmm. with that. So. Yeah. In any case, I think what we all agree on is to see it go away would be considered a shame. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely,
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you think it's permanent? Do you think it's going to come back?
1: I would like I'm... to say that it's going to come back, but... I mean, if it's going to come back to Hollywood studios someday, I mean, with star Wars land and then toy story land, where, or where they put it. I mean, we don't know much about those plans and when that's going to, when, you know, when they're going to open, but kind of goes back to what you had originally said, like move them to Crescent Lake area or down, you know, Hollywood Boulevard or something like that. But where would they go? Um, I was reading um, that, uh, I think it was November, yeah, I wrote down that November 1st of th- uh, this year that Jim Hill said that the lights might return, that he's speculating in some capacity, but he doesn't have any idea of where they could be, but, well, I don't know. I'm, I
2: was just reading What's something it? here, that the son-in-law of Jennings Osborne, the founder of the lights, has openly and publicly announced that the family has received an inventory sheet of items in the light display that still belong to the Jennings family, and they will be getting those items back at the end of this season. Hmm. It sounds very permanent, doesn't it? It does, it's, which is a very unfortunate thing. Hmm. I, I hope, personally, I really hope they can, something changes. And, you know, between the end of this year and, you know, the start of the time of year where they would have to start installing that they can come up with something else. But as it stands right now, according to the family, it looks like they're getting their, their black cat and their Razorback back. <laughs> hmm.
0: Well, it also occurs to me as we're talking about this, I don't know how much help Hollywood Studios is going to need in three years. You know, it went, went, or four years, once Star Wars Land opens up and Pixar Place opens up. It, it may be the park at that point. That's very true. You know, yeah. it might it might leapfrog all of its other sisters and brothers there just to uh, to be the one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I don't know if they need to drive people to it. I
2: think that'll be done for them. Yeah. If the past weekend is any indication of what Star Wars is going to do for that park? Uh,
1: yeah. If the, if we I, we I don't think
2: they're going to need a, a lot of...
1: Help. Right. Yeah. Let so, I me mean, start booking your hotel rooms now for opening week. Yeah. Really. <laughs> because that's yeah, and Disney's. I mean, Disney's being smart about it and not giving an an, uh, an end date to when it's going to be projecting ready and opening. open. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's not probably something they want to deal with if they get set back or you know push forward. That's
2: yeah, the scenario, true. but well, look at true. New Fantasyland and how long that took.
1: Right, right, mm-hmm. and Seven Dwarves Mine Train got pushed back because they were working on the technology. So
0: true, true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, well, you mentioned it, so I'm going to put you guys in the spot with some unrehearsed questions here that I have for you guys. Uh-oh. So since you mentioned it, oh
2: no, <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> hey, hey, have you guys both seen Star Wars up to this point? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So. I realize that it's possible. If you're listening to the podcast, you may have not seen Star Wars. So, without getting into spoilers, nope, nope, (laughs) keep it clean, keep it clean. Okay, okay. Give me your, uh, give me your 30 second summary of what you think or your, uh, your, your your review of it without giving away anything or as little as possible.
1: I'll start. Er, Yeah, Laura, go. Okay. Um, I thought it was fantastic. It was. I thought it was very well done. It stays along the theme and the, um, I don't know if I'm using the correct terminology, but the artisticness, and that's not a word, but of the first three films that were released initially in terms of how it moved along in the story. It didn't, you know, it did the classic kind of cliffhanger and then it would move on to the next kind of storyline or the different characters and then it would go back to you know I liked how it kind of just cut off and stayed with that the way the old films were were initially I liked the characters I thought the new characters were were awesome and well thought out I didn't think it was I thought it stayed with the theme of what Star Wars is all about and um, the new little R2 character I really like that i'm um, i've r2d2 is my favorite character so <laughs> <laughs> so i thought that was really neat and then the ending of course the i'm just gonna say the cliffhanger and ending just like all the other star wars films. and i thought it was a really great way to get everybody excited for the next the next film cool so.
0: out of a, out of 10 what would you give it
1: uh <laughs> i don't know um I mean, probably a nine or a ten. I mean, I want to see it again. Wow. I, I left there. I'm like, I have so many questions. I need to go see it again. But <laughs> I'm gonna wait till I, I'm gonna wait till January to go see it again. Maybe the crowds will die, die down a little bit. I'll go see it again.
0: What about you, Pete? What do you think? I've,
2: visually, I thought it was absolutely stunning. Um, I agree with Laura that the the character development is fantastic. Uh, the two new main characters. Um, uh, well, I'll even call what a lot of people are calling a, a secondary character, uh, who was a very main character in the beginning of the movie. Um, it's a little very tiny spoiler. He he's a uh, pilot of a black X-wing fighter. Um, I'm really curious to see what they do with those three characters. The uh, the family lines, I think, are actually going to become very important in the second and third yeah. installments of the new trilogy.
1: I have so many questions.
2: Exactly. <laughs> um, I think J.J. Abrams did a fantastic job. Yeah. And for those huh? of you that were deathly afraid of all of his lens flare from the Star Trek movies he did, you're good. Don't worry about it. The lens flare is very minimal. There is a lot of flipping and a lot of uh, specific focus on a character mm-hmm. where another character in the same scene may be a little fuzzy. But I think that's because he wants you to v- be very focused on the person that's speaking at the time. Um, once you can get used to that, even in 3D and generally, I. I don't do bad with 3D. My wife, on the other hand, 3D generally will leave her useless the next day with a migraine. Hmm. She got used to it fairly quickly and was left with only a a mild headache, so that wasn't too bad. But once you get used to that, that camera flipping that he does a lot of, it was very... Very easy to follow. I didn't find myself being taken out of the storyline for any reason, really, at any point. And I'm I'm really looking forward to the to next movies. I'm even looking forward to the I don't know if we'll call them spin-off movies or not, but Rogue One uh, I think is going to be great. Um, another. Well, I, I, this isn't a spoiler. Don't bother sitting through the credits, folks. There's nothing afterwards. They're, it's not Marvel. They didn't leave you a nugget to watch after 15 minutes of, of credits. Did you Did you watch Pete? I did. I sat there.
1: <laughs> I
2: waited. I'm like, you, know, you never know. maybe. Yeah, well. And I to be to be fair to myself, I was not the only person sitting in my chair at the theater. And at the end of the credits saying, well, that was a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> there were other people that had the same thought process that I did. You know, I'm trying to save everybody else that 15 minutes of wasted time of their life. They'll never get back.
1: There's nothing
2: at the end credits. Once the movie goes black,
0: head for the door, get to your car. You're good. I saw it today. Today is my brother's birthday, so I took my uh, my son and my daughter and uh, my two nephews and my brother we went to go see it today. And it lived up to the hype. You know, when you follow it on Twitter and Facebook, it's amazing. I've, I've never seen so many adults dressed in costumes 24 hours prior to the actual engagement as this, this, this movie. And, and it lived up to it. I thought it was great. The, the action scenes, I know technology gets better. You know, movies... Have, have larger action sequences with cgi and whatnot but um uh, were, were unbelievable it probably more violent than i remember the other star Warses, but it was just because of the evolution of movie making at this point but uh it was great uh, all the characters development was great uh the main characters everybody they introduced i thought was really well done um it's no secret obviously han solo makes a reappearance um Princess Leia makes a re- reappearance in this. It's not a secret to anybody that they, they are in the movie. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if I want to say they've aged well. They've aged, but yeah, they still are complete. They they they're believable in their roles, though. You know, when you see them, you still see the younger characters in their roles. Mm-hmm. You you don't necessarily see an older version of Han Solo and an older version of Princess Leia. So, um, I thought it was really well done. And and you're exactly right, Laura. I, I'm of course. We're excited to see the next next few, but um, left you in a good spot to see those next few. And yeah, I got more questions than answers. That's for sure. My wife asked me the first question. Did you get a lot of answers. I was like, heck no. Yeah. I was like <laughs> it was great. <laughs> more, more questions than ever. Right. So. So yeah, no. I, I think uh, if I were to go and give it a number, it'd be at least an eight and a half, maybe a nine. Um, but it was definitely uh, it lived up to its hype, which is, it, it's, you know, it's hard to say because when Phantom Menace came out, boy that you're disappointed a lot of people.
2: Yeah. I, it was really the movie that Star Wars fans, not so much that they even wanted, they needed. Because it, it brought it back to, it was that, that feeling of the original trilogy. The the prequels... I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm not an over-the-top, dress-up-like-Chewbacca Star Wars fan. But I've seen all the movies. I'm a fan of the franchise, but those prequels—there are a lot of times where they're kind of hard to watch. Mm -hmm. Certain characters in the prequels were just absolutely horrible. Yeah, Uh, I'm I'm not going to name characters. I'm sure anybody that leave Jar Jar alone. anybody that's seen those movies knows who I'm talking about
1: I I teach 8th grade and I went to school on Friday the 18th and I told my class that you know I stayed up late and I went to go see Star Wars and a lot of them were jealous and um, one of my students, him and I decided to have a side conversation while the other kids were working about um, the Star Wars movie and he said don't ruin it for me I'm going to go see it tonight I've got my tickets and we started talking about the prequels and you know, and he started ranting and raving about you know, Jar Jar and how he didn't like him and how much he didn't like him, and I didn't realize how much hate he had towards this oh, poor little character. Yeah. And I'm like, this you know, it's okay.
2: <laughs> Jar Jar is kinda universally hated among Star Wars fans. <laughs> yes. He was he was a really bad attempt at the comic relief that C-3PO gives you, which, by the way, uh, did anybody pick up on that in the new film?
0: It was wonderful. It wasn't
2: forced or anything. Was it awesome or not, or what? It, it was well-weaved into the story. Right. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought there was a little bit of a nod to, to Iron Man there, but maybe that's just me reading into something. Hmm. I didn't notice it. Interesting. When you go in, when you watch it again, pay special attention to uh, the first time you see three PO.
0: Oh yeah, okay, okay, makes sense now. I didn't think about it, but yeah, good point. So, guys, qu- just quickly, I wanted to wrap it up, but I want to ask you your impression on one thing. It was uh, just released this week. Um, so, what do you think about the uh, metal detectors going in at the parks? Give me your impressions of of, of that. I uh,
1: I don't mind it. Um, you know, I personally have nothing to hide when I go in the park, so I don't mind walking through it. And I you know it's a scary, scary world today, and anything Disney can do to beef up security, in my opinion, is should be well received. And you know, as long as you've got nothing to hide.
0: <laughs> yeah, I should I should state for everybody that there are. Metal Detector is now installed at the Magic Kingdom, uh, and I'm sure they're going to be installed at the other parks very shortly. And not everyone is required to go through a Metal Detector. If you still have a bag, you go through the bag check lane. If you don't, you go forward. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a random search right now, in a random selection, I should say, through the Metal Detector, um, which should be enough to actually, you know, sufficiently intimidate anybody who decides they wanted to bring a gun into the park, unlike the gentleman from... Couple weeks ago, who wanted to bring a loaded gun into the Magic Kingdom, but they uh, they have installed three. They are temporary, but look very permanent in their temporary state, and I'm sure they become very permanent very quickly. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I'm hey, pretty what, much what do you the think? Same from? opinion, yeah.
2: you know. It, I when I go there, I have nothing to hide. I don't want to have to worry about, you know, does the guy behind me in line is he going to snap and like pull a weapon. I don't want to have to worry about that. At the same time I know people are out there and they're going to complain if this is going to slow things down. I think as long as they can get people through the metal detectors where it's not going to slow down the lines getting into the parks people aren't going to care.
0: True. And it's a crazy world and you're right. People would probably view those parks as... Unique opportunities is is awful as that is to say, so
1: mm-hmm. right.
0: So pro pro and pro here from all three of us on the metal detectors they you know they 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 put it, people through it at Great America with Six Flags by us and everyone goes through the metal detectors there yeah. So, mm-hmm. And I know and they've integrated that pretty well.
2: When if you do get picked to go through the detectors at Magic Kingdom, and it does go off, it's not okay. Go back through clean out your pockets again, walk back through again. it They're pulling people off to the side, and you're just getting wanded after that. Hmm. So, in, I mean, they're, they're trying to make it as streamlined as they can, it seems. So hopefully it's, like I said, because if it slows things down, people are going to complain. Sure. Public safety or not, people will complain if it slows things down. It's the way people yeah. are.
1: Right.
0: Short memories on people. Eric. Correct, you know. So, all right, guys. I want to thank you and uh, for everyone who downloaded and listened. I want to thank you as well. Uh, I know we're getting into the holiday season here. I know Christmas Eve and Christmas is just a few days away. So, I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a safe Christmas and a Happy New Year to my friends Pete and Laura. Same to you guys. Safe travels. I know Laura, you're going on a cruise. Yeah. Chris, you're going down to. Down to Disney as well, aren't you? I'm going to test out that metal detector. There All right. you go. No, 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 <laughs> no. No, yes, I am. I am. We're going down there for a little land and sea vacation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking forward to that. Yeah, but, I'm, uh,
2: I'm the only fool staying up here. I guess I'll hold you're, down you're, the fort for
0: everybody. There
1: you go. Hold down the fort for
0: us. You're man in the studio. <laughs> I'll keep an eye <laughs> on it. All right, guys. Hey, thanks again, everybody. Have a Merry Christmas. Have a Happy New Year. Be safe.
1: Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody.
0: Good night. Hey, guys. It's Chris Malick one more time. Realized after we recorded the show, we had a few more acknowledgments to go before we actually close the show off. Wanted to thank you one more time and let you know that we're getting into the holiday season. And in fact, the next show is going to be due out sometime very early in January, but over the next few weeks, there will not be a show as we're going to be out of town, much like many of you will be as well. First off, I want to give a special thank you uh, to, actually, Mr. Theme Park Audios on YouTube. Uh, he was the uh, provider of our beautiful background music for today, and I guess most importantly is, is for communication purposes, we want to be able to communicate with you guys, so if you were interested, uh, please contact Pete Ponacorvo on Twitter at MagicMouseMedic Mouse Medic and on his Facebook page at Peter Ponacorvo. Laura Fitzpatrick, her Twitter account is at DizLauraT and her Facebook page is Laura Fiesfeld Fitzpatrick. Uh, my Twitter account is at DisneyChicago and my Facebook page is just simply my name, Chris Malick. And as far as the WDW Review, we have our own Twitter account, which is at WDW Review, and our own Facebook page, which is the WW Review podcast page. We are now available on Stitcher, on TuneIn, and very soon to be on iTunes, so look for us there. And you can visit us at the www.libson.com. Thank you again. Have a happy holidays. Be safe. We'll look forward to seeing you in January. Good night, everybody.